looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Hey, I know we have a lot of horror fans that listen to our shows, and I know things have been tough for everybody across the board these past six or seven months with what's been going on in the real world, but I wanted to make a suggestion to you horror fans, because I know part of the normal routine year in and year out is to attend different conventions to meet some of your favorite horror stars. However, none of us have been able to do that because of obvious reasons. But I do have a little suggestion for you. SignatureHorror.com Now, some may ask, what is that? Well, they obtain autographs for the fans from some of their favorite stars, from some of their favorite franchises. Whether it be the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and many more. They have different options such as, besides getting their autographs, you can do live Zoom calls with your favorite stars. You can do personalized videos for people, greetings of some sort. They just have many options. So if you're looking for to spend some money that you may have spent at conventions, check them out and see the options they have SignatureHorror.com That's right, SignatureHorror.com
Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whoop chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Contact your doctor today if you experience the following. Oh my god! Increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being keel or having extreme depression. Oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increase in amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges. Oh my! Gordon, you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. And I'm Elena, your favorite host from the Emerald Isles. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. This next guest is the pride of Santa Monica, California, and has a list of things that she does on the professional side, but personal side, and I guess we'll get a feel for that as well. Let's see. Actress, director, producer, writer, dabbles in singing scary combination she also is active with the same singing as far as traditional pop vocalist who has done shows over many of the important venues out in LA film projects have appeared at many film festivals and views over which is big over a million Times online. She is the granddaughter of a well-known writer named Al Gordon, you know, who some of our older folks would know from writing Jack Benny Show and Carol Burnett, Smothers Brothers, Flip Wilson, which I'm not going to tell the funny Flip Wilson family story, but that's here and there. She's also the daughter of a producer, writer, director, Neil Gordon. He was involved in things like America's Funniest Home Videos, Solid Gold, Miami Vice, many rock videos. But we're here to talk about his daughter, Victoria Gordon. Victoria, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Good. That was a mouthful there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had to write that one down, which is scary. Wow. Wow. Yeah, to, that way I made sure I remembered everything. Well, thank you. So first and foremost... How are you doing with this whole, we're coming close on a year mark of COVID and pandemic and all that fun life, but how have you been handling things? Well, it's kind of funny when we first got locked down. So like the day before the lockdown, I had a show coming up, a live in-person show in a theater a few weeks after it was like March 22nd was the show date. 
And around March 10th, I was like, you know, I'm kind of not feeling great. I wasn't sick. I was just really low energy. I'm like, I'm going to lay low for a couple of weeks. And that was like the last time I really went out. So I've been here for about a year. Um, I'm doing the best I can, you know, it's a challenge and there have been highs and lows and moments where I'm like, oh, I can get through this and moments where I'm like, I can't do another day of this. But I think the really lucky thing is that I have such a close family that is all in the same bubble. So we spend a good amount of time together and that makes a big difference. And I'm not encouraging this folks, but nobody's killed each other. Oh, (laughs) um, you know, there have definitely been moments where I've thought these frustrations that we have would not be here if we weren't stuck in a pandemic. Like they're just, you know, I mean, the way people chew can get frustrating after a while, the way people say certain words, but we love each other. And we know that we're lucky to have each other because not everyone, I mean, we have plenty of friends who are alone or maybe have just like a spouse. So it's really nice to have a slightly larger group. So folks, we can't get her to commit to saying she murdered anybody because that would be the cops will be coming. I'm kidding. She's laughing on the video as I say that. I am. But you know what I found interesting is obviously I said in the introduction, dad's side of the family as far as being in the entertainment field. But mom's side is, I would say, where you get your musical uh, side, correct? Oh, for sure. My mom's family, my mother's uncle my great uncle was a symphony conductor and this doesn't get talked about much, but my mother's mother, my grandmother was actually an accordion player who really did a serious tour all over California when she was a young woman, but she chose not to pursue that. My great uncle did pursue that. And one of the things that he and my grandmother insisted was that all of the kids in the family learned to play musical instruments. So everyone in my family is musical. We have a couple of violinists, we have a cellist, we have two harpists, my mother and my sister are harpists. Um, there's a lot of music in this family. And my godson, who's on that side of the family, is almost 16 months old. And I'm just waiting to see what he does, because he'll be musical too. Yeah. And as she mentioned, there's a couple of folks that are violinists, and she happens to be one of them. So out of all you could choose from, why the violin? Oh, there's a very simple explanation for that. My cousin who is actually the mother of the aforementioned godson is 11 years older than I am. And when I was a kid, I just thought she was like the coolest person on the planet and she played the violin. So I said, well, I'll play the violin. So that's pretty much exactly how it went down. I don't think I ever even considered another instrument, even though my mother's a harpist. And if I were thinking it through now, I probably would have chosen the viola. We don't have a violist in our family and we probably could use one. Exactly. And with a, the uncle hit handle in the orchestra. It makes sense with the variety that you do have. Obviously, like we're talking about, you know, she's a third generation in the entertainment field on both sides here. But when I was reading a little bit about your background, you started off childhood with theater and transition to TV and commercial work as a teen and towards your adulthood, film and TV and such and streaming services and everything mm-hmm. else. But I'd be curious to know, because we obviously know some stories of folks who started real young through adulthood. But I'm always curious to know with folks like that, you know, to start at a young age and to where we are now, how was that, especially as a female, that, you know, everybody goes through certain stages in life that it's like, especially, you know, early teens and 
everything else where there might be some awkwardness and you don't know who you are. Even in your 20s, I would say folks don't have a sense of who, you know what I mean? There's just those different life changes that everybody deals with. Right. Mm -hmm. But you were in a public viewing in certain aspects, whether it was the theater or filming commercial or was that, did that make things a little more difficult to know who you were and who Victoria was? Funny, it's kind of the opposite because I was developing a sense of who I was, but it didn't necessarily align with what other people wanted me to be. So I remember when I was about 17 years old, I was meeting with a manager who did not wind up representing me. Um, and she was telling me who I was supposed to be. And I didn't really like that. I felt like she had this very narrow concept of who I was. And I had just finished high school. I was on the verge of starting college. And I knew that putting myself in a narrow little box like that at that point was not going to help me in any way. It was just going to make things feel very limited and it was going to be stifling. And looking back on it nearly 10 years later, had I followed what she wanted and had I put myself into that particular little category, I would have a very hard time right now because that's not who I turned out to be. So I think the challenge is obviously learning about yourself, but that's everyone's challenge. The challenge is then explaining to other people who you really are. And I'm glad that I made choices that while they may not have been the best choices career-wise in that regard, were the best choice for me in terms of becoming a functioning adult beyond just my career. How dare you? you know, right? Try to look at, look out for your personal interests as well. You know, what a shock. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but, and I would think this would be part of that discussion. And obviously you had a sense there at 17 of you didn't want to go this direction. But did it help that you had both parents, but also a grandfather and your dad who were involved strictly on the entertainment side of things to say, hey, this is what this agent presented. I like this. I don't like that. You know what I'm saying? Be able to have an actual conversation to people who understood the business. Yeah. I mean, my dad was with me at that meeting because when I was underage, I always took, even frankly to this day, not that I've been anywhere in a while, but if I'm meeting with someone I'm not familiar with or like doing photos, I'll always try to bring a parent along, even if it's not like, hey, my mom's going to be sitting in more just like be around. Um, so in this case, my dad was with me because I was 17. And when we left that meeting, he was really upset because he never wanted me to act as a kid. He really resisted it. It took literally him being forced into it for me to do it. And I think he was upset that someone would try to limit me so much. He kind of took off his, like, I'm a director hat. I see things in the entertainment side hat and went more into like his dad mode. He was like, Hey, wait a minute. Don't tell my kid who she is. My kid is just on the brink. And I will admit, I definitely went through a phase at 17 where all I wanted to do was wear tutus with combat boots and like everything kind of Helena Bonham Cartery. And I loved that phase. It was so much fun, but it wasn't the only facet of my personality. And the more people tried to push me into this box of being weird, and this wasn't just this manager, it happened a lot, the harder it was for me to get work because that's not who I am. I finally had to almost like come out and say, wait a minute, guys, no, it's like, I like dressing like that, but that's not who I am inside. I just like having fun with my clothes. So I have eventually transitioned into being able to have fun, dress the way I want and be taken seriously. And it's just, it's taken some work to get there, but I'm really glad I put in that time and didn't just go for the easy road that made sense to most people. Well, you mentioned, go, and that's cool that he had dad hat on, you know, Yeah. but I'm sure it helped him at least when he's, as he's hearing us have the 
business savvy spinning those gears spinning as well going wait this ain't my kid oh, yeah. you know what right I mean? see that he was like okay i get it she likes to wear her combat boots i had these adorable for anyone who's into fashion adorable brown studded combat boots that were scuffed up and i'd wear like a tutu kind of skirt i was like madonna going through that kind of phase but really helena bottom carter was a big part of it too and i was just having fun but 17 year olds are supposed to have fun and i think if you can't look beyond the surface of this is how she dresses and see who a person really is inside you're doing a disservice to everyone you represent i can't imagine what her other clients were being forced to assume they were and it took me a long time I'm using this manager as an example because it's one good story. But the truth is a lot of people were doing that. It took me a while to get out of this mold that I was weird because I don't really, this is me personally. I kind of think the idea of someone being weird is a myth. I think weirdness is relative. And rather than say this person's weird or that's weird, we should focus on why people choose different things. And, you know, the answer usually comes down to they have different sensibilities and tastes and let's embrace that. You know, there's a uh, quote that I always found interesting when you bring that up and describe it like that uh, i know some folks within the mental health industry and there was a question that they pose you know these counselors and different folks i got who work in that field and they say what is normal and when you sit and think about it it's like you know what i mean you can go mm -hmm. so many different directions but as you said you were getting ready to go to school and stuff like that what was it about the art history that attracted you there oh yeah so i was an art history major in college and i knew a couple of things going in i went to usc i knew i didn't want to be in the theater program because i was already working and i really wanted to be in a program where the people around me weren't thinking about movies beyond like maybe we'll go see a movie this weekend i didn't want to be in a major where i was dealing with that constantly the pressure would have been really hard to deal with with my career so i had a few options i looked at english i looked at communication but I just love art. And I think art history gives you a great chance to explore both history, you know, world history, cultural history, history of material. Like there was so much I learned and I enjoyed being part of a major that was so like liberal artsy where I was constantly dealing with people who were more academic. And it was just, it was my little taste of being at like a New England college while being in LA. Yeah. And it's funny as a history major myself, I did have a course or two in art history, but I, you know, I was a history, history major, you know, uh, course. but you know, I was part of the correct, the education. I can't, I'm having a brain fart with the big words and correct. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's funny that as I said that when we're talking history here, I actually have a family member in the house here watching some historical stuff because of my background in American history. And they're like, well, what's this? What's that? Whatever. And I know we're getting sidetracked here, but I said, here, I went on the good fortune of on demand and stuff. I said, watch this, watch that and watch that. Love but it. Right before we came on, they watched two out of the three. It was about JFK. Ah, uh, the fact it was my father. I said, he goes, these two answered some of my questions, but I got 10 more questions, <laughs> you know, I mean, pertaining to the case. So when we're done here, I, as you can see, I got the bookshelf. I'm going to have to pull a couple books and say, all right, read this, read that. And, you know, it's like when it, like I'm sending them to school. 
Yeah, no, and I do that with my family with different things. My sister studied film in college, and she's really talented at editing. But what she realized was she didn't want to be in film. She just loves movies. And there are a few people I know with as much passion for films as Natalie. But she realized at a certain point that she wanted to learn more about subjects she hadn't studied. So she's like, find good books for me on European history. Find good books on this. Find good books on that. And she's still learning. She's really taking the time and putting in the effort to continue to learn, even though she's out of school. So I, I admire people who do that. And I think it's really cool that your dad has taken this interest and that you've been able to guide him. Yeah, and it's funny because I always tell a story on that particular same JFK subject and stuff. I didn't finish college. I was, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little immature in my early 20s. And if I could go back, I'm a mat, couple math classes short to almost finish, and I should probably kick myself in the ass and go, but <laughs> even though, you know, that's nothing to do with history. <laughs> but so anyway, my I have a sibling that works within a, in the academic field at a college with an honors program and such. And she had a student coming in doing her master's on JFK and wow. wasn't sure. So, <laughs> but, you know, of course, phone rings. Hey, can you come into the school? Okay. And student, bring your books and bring this, bring what you got. All right. <laughs> yeah, she goes. I love that. No, I think, I think it's really great when colleges and when, prof- it usually I think happens more to department level, but when people remember other people who are interested in something and reach out to them, like I had a professor reach out to me not long ago because he had it, this was an art history professor. And he said, one of our students is really interested in pursuing a career in writing and entertainment could you talk to her? And I said, yeah, of course, totally. So it had nothing to do with it, but because they remembered that was like my thing, the professor contacted me and it was just a nice thing to have happen. So I feel like when colleges can do that for people, that's the most important thing that, and, you know, learning more about how to think critically and how to apply, especially in this day and age, critical thinking is huge, but I mean, learning how to apply the learning skills to the rest of life. Those are the really important things. Yeah. So anyway, she goes, she was trying to think or figure out her master's thesis on the topic. I said, you could go this direction, that direction, you know, stuff you wouldn't see in your normal school textbook, you know, in high school or whatever she goes. So anyway, long story short, I said, here, read this same thing. I'm going to do with the, my father yeah. here, read this, read that. You know, they confirm that I'm not just a conspiracy theorist type deal. Right. I, so I, I leave, go about my business and she goes, well, what did he major in? Does he have a PhD? Does he have a master's? No, he has a county college education. Why should I trust him? Two weeks later, she read all the thought, went through all the material and goes, yeah, he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> I'll go that route. Awesome. That's so cool. But let's go back with you. As we said, she's done film, done all kinds of things behind the scenes, in front of the camera and such. You can you what can you tell me about the indie pilot behind the times? Okay, well, behind the times, um, when I was finishing up college, I had written this pilot called Behind the Times, and I was given an opportunity to produce an episode of Behind the Times. So, in my last semester of college, I moved everything around, I only had class two days a week, and the rest of the time I was making TV. And I will tell you, being a college senior. That was a rude awakening because college classes make you think that all you have to do is get a couple people to sign some permission slips and you can do whatever you want. I had to learn hand, like 
so much about making a project. And I will say, I think I learned more doing that than I did in anything else I've ever done. It was such a huge learning experience and I'm so glad I did it. But behind the times wound up being, because it's a satire. It's really fun and people enjoyed it. So I got to go to some film festivals in different parts of the US and it traveled to Europe. I did not go with it to Europe. But the really exciting thing was that I was in it and I won the IFS Film Festival Vanguard Award for Breakthrough Performance. I'm gonna close that window. I'm so sorry, my neighbor's gardener is here. <laughs> you know, one of the joys of all of us being at home all the time is that there is just so much unpredictable noise everywhere. We had, yesterday I was filming something and um, there's a helicopter overhead. I'm like, okay, great. And of course it kept circling. I mean, I, there may have been a violent crime. I have no idea. And if there was, I, of course, that's important. But regardless, I'm just sitting there listening to this. I'm like, okay, been 20 minutes. Okay, it's been half an hour. Okay, is something going on? Like, should I be concerned? Should I be? <laughs> so I empathize with Welcome everybody. to the club. <laughs> right, I empathize because I think a lot of people have had unwelcome interruptions. Luckily, I'm not like the cat lawyer yet. You know, the guy from Texas, um, the cat lawyer. <laughs> but I'm sure we're all just one step away from being cat lawyers ourselves. Uh -huh. Uh, what's that line from South Park? The Chewbacca defense. Uh, that you may, yeah, you, you may or may not have seen that, but the IFS award we were talking about. Uh, yes. You, where, what film festival, was that over in Europe or where was that? No, IFS is actually in Los Angeles. And okay. it's, I can tell you, if there are any indie filmmakers listening, IFS is an incredible community. The IFS team really just loves independent cinema. And they do screenings, well, they used to, I can't speak to right now, but they were doing monthly screenings of classic indie films. And then they have this annual festival, which is an incredible exploration of what's going on in indie film. It doesn't just get, you know, college students making their first project. It gets, I mean, when I won my award, Malcolm McDowell was best actor. Blake Clark was best supporting actor. Um, I'm trying to remember who else got honored that year. It was an incredible lineup. And they have amazing films. They'll do salutes to recent indie films that were well-known films. Um, so I will sing the praises of IFS forever and ever. I really love it. And they don't give out, so the Vanguard Awards, every year they give out a set of awards that they choose from like the thousands of submissions they get and the hundreds of films they program. They're not set categories. So like they'll give a Vanguard Award for like really special effects one year. Or in this case, the only time I remember, they gave it to me as a breakthrough performer. And I cannot tell you the feeling I had the morning I woke up and they sent out that list and I realized that they had created a special award just for my performance. Like that is beyond gratifying. I still am in shock and awe because I knew several people who had, I mean, just by coincidence, I was like, oh, I know someone working on that film. I know someone working on that film. I was like, wow, they actually singled me out. So that was a huge honor. And they're an incredible community. And, and when she said, what IFS was fully, then it clicked because I'm like, IFS. at first it was like IFS, you know, you know, the way yeah. you have the brain fog I got today. But like you said, it's when you get folks like uh, Malcolm McDowell and just all across the spectrum there in that genre, it's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So obviously, I know you have a or rumor has it anyway that you have a background with comedy and that you <laughs> did some stuff with second city out in la there and so is comedy a big deal for you oh yeah i mean i grew up in a family with a lot of funny people i always said growing up that my grandfather was the funniest man i knew 
And I used to say my dad was the second funniest man I knew. Um, since my grandfather's passed, I've taken to saying my dad's the funniest man I know because he is. And we have some really incredible comedy in this family. So I never thought I was particularly funny. I figured the funny people were the other people. I was just a normal person. And then at a certain point, I realized that I could get laughs by playing characters. And I realized there were many different kinds of funny. And since I always loved sitcoms and I always dreamed of being on a sitcom, it just made sense to keep pursuing comedy. Second City I chose because when I was 12 years old, Seinfeld started playing after school on TV, on TBS. And you can't see this, those of you listening, but I have very curly hair. It's not super curly today, but it's very curly. And at 12 years old, 11 years old, things like that, there is a lot of effort to try to minimize curly hair, to tell girls who have curly hair that they're not as attractive or that they'd be so much prettier if they just wore their hair straight. So I was going through that crisis at that point. And Seinfeld opened my eyes to the fact that you can be beautiful, brilliant, empowered, just as wonderful and have curly hair. So Julia Louis-Dreyfus was like my hero. And I read that she went to Second City. So I said, well, then I'm going to go to Second City. And that's how I wound up there. That whole story, I'll put it this way. You know, it's a shame that she only did the one year at Saturday Night Live, but it just goes to show that it was a good move because of Seinfeld, but that's a whole another story. Oh, yeah. But speaking of series, I wanted to bring this up because uh, it was the series was a web series pilot season. What can you tell me about pilot season? Pilot season. I am so excited about pilot season. So pilot season is I'm calling it an anthology miniseries, but it's five enhanced readings. So they're all being recorded and rehearsed over Zoom. So it mostly looks like a reading, but we have stock footage and music to make it less like just people on a screen. We've gotten really creative and we're airing one a week for five weeks. They're all sitcom pilots that I wrote and they range from like tonight we're airing a multi-camera family comedy to like in five weeks, the last episode is more of an intimate dramedy. And there's a little bit of everything. They're, they all take place in very different worlds. They all tell different stories. There's no real through line beyond the fact that I think I tend to write slightly heightened reality or like characters who are playing it straight, but really it's absurd how straight they're playing ridiculousness. So I'm really excited. We debuted the first episode tonight and I'm excited to see what people think. It was a challenge to make this work and I would love to turn these into full series, but for now I'm giving everyone a taste of different pilot ideas. Well, since you said it's debuting tonight, we are taping this as of February 23rd, 2021 here. But where can folks see that if they hear So this? I would recommend that you come to our Instagram, which is at TV Pilot Season. And there you can get a link where you can see all the episodes as they're released. And you can read about the shows. I have sort of like our little pitch guides on there and follow along with what we're up to. So yes, definitely check out Instagram. Right on TV pilot season on Instagram. Final question for you, because I thought this was interesting and I know had mentioned it as part of being the multi-talented person that you are, a singing background. Now, from what I understand, in 2018, there was Victoria Gordon Live started, but upcoming, and I didn't see any information, dates and all, because obviously the world we're currently living in is changing hour to hour, minute to minute, day to day. But you have an upcoming social distance show in the spring. Mm -hmm. What is that all about? 
Well, it really depends. The goal is to get a couple of people vaccinated. Luckily, my parents and their friends have been vaccinated for the most part because they're all over 65. So we might have some of them or we might just keep it to the family that I mentioned earlier. But the goal would be to treat it less like we're doing because I've done a couple of shows during the pandemic that were like fully produced, like music video after music video after music video. And those are fun, but they're exhausting. And I really want to do a lifestyle show. So the goal is to do something where I can bring in an audience and like do it live-ish, but then still record it and release it online for those who can't be here for obvious reasons. So it really depends on where things are as we continue into the spring. Pilot season is pretty much taking up all my time right now, but I'm still working on those shows. So we will see what happens when that's over. So with everything going on pilot season, this show that we were just talking about, just everything all in a world of Victoria Gordon, where can they find you, whether it be on social media and or the website? Actually, it's the Victoria Gordon. So victoriagordon.com is being held hostage. Um, the Victoria Gordon is my website, the victoriagordon.com. And on Instagram, I am the Victoria Gordon. So go ahead and get in touch with me. However, it works for you. I really look forward to hearing from people. And obviously the links for everything, whether it be pilot season and the upcoming social distance show and everything will be shared through social media because we all know social media is king. I know. Victoria, thank you so much. Thank you. worse why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts there's bound to be injuries <laughs> now that's what i call depressing is gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope want to jump off the highest of planks for those that are getting now that's what I call depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, wrinkled ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend while in Cell Block 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open. Who the fuck writes this shit? Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, an installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in a full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS.
Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shot suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, this is Troy Newkirk, Sheila from Nightmare on Elm Street, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. <laughs> 